Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you could turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be reading, and I'm so blessed this morning because the very scripture that was brought in the worship is exactly what I'm preaching on today. And um, word for word, (laughs) exactly. And uh, I was so thrilled. In fact, when Ida just tapped me on the back, she says, can I share a word? I just felt all of a sudden the Lord speak to me and say, give her the mic because she's going to say exactly what you're going to say this morning. And so I gave it her and uh, she did that. I want to encourage you, keep listening to the Lord. I've seen many times you've heard from God and I really want to encourage you, keep listening to the Lord because God wants to speak into this house today. Amen? Romans chapter 8. Let's look at that together. I think I'm going to move down. I feel so far away up here. Romans chapter 8. We're going to first pick up actually in verse 1 before we skip through to exactly where Ida picked up. But verse 1 of Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then verse 31, it says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? Question mark. If God is for us, who can be against us? Question mark. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? Question mark. No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors. Amen? Through him who loved us. For I am convinced, says Paul, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, I can't speak, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to talk this morning to you 
about these scriptures because these scriptures are so powerful in our lives. And I really believe that God wants to breathe and speak into the life of people here today. Maybe you've come in today and you're, you're looking down and you're saying, I'm so weighed down with sin. I'm so weighed down with trouble in my life. I'm so weighed down with the things that actually I don't even know if I can walk into 2017 any longer with the things that I'm carrying. The guilt I'm carrying. The trouble I'm facing. I want to tell you today, the title of the message today is this, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what you are facing, God knows. No matter what you are carrying, God knows. Amen? Some of us sometimes, you know, the problem is we have too many matters. We have too many matters that we're carrying. And the word today is no matter what. What is it that you're carrying today? What is it that's weighing you down? Paul said, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Did you hear that? Nothing. You see, sometimes we picture God as the one who condemns. We picture God as the one who says, you know, I'm shaking the stick. You know, you've been doing these things. You can't kick that habit. You can't get rid of that sin. You can't get rid of the things in your life that seem to be destroying you. And we see God as this one that is shaking the stick at us. We know that Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, the first thing they did is hid from him. In guilt. But I want to tell you today that we're not living in the old covenant. We're not living in the old covenant that we have to hide from him every time we do something wrong. And there are people here today who are probably saying, do you know, sometimes I feel as I'm hiding from God. I'm hiding because I'm so guilty. The things that I've done, I don't even tell anyone else about. I keep them to myself. But listen to me today. I really believe that Jesus wants to speak to you today and tell you, stop looking at yourself. Stop condemning yourself. Lift up your head today. Jesus did not die on the cross for you to put your head down. He didn't die on the cross for you today to feel guilty. He died so you might be free. He died so you might know freedom in Christ Jesus. He died so you can live free. And I just really believe the Lord wants us to lift up because he's got things for us to do. Amen. And the more we look down and the more we're guilty, the more we can't function. Lift up your heads this morning. No matter what you are thinking right now, and everyone across this room is probably thinking something. Yeah, but what about that? Listen, no matter what, if you leave today with that thing in your mind, get it clear in your head. There is nothing, there is nothing that will separate you from Christ. No matter what. I want to ask you today, because one of the things that Paul says is this. We heard it earlier, he said this. What then shall we say? Verse 31. In response to these things. What things is he referring to? Well, if you read Romans chapter 7 and you look previously, you'll see that Paul is referring to the law of sin and death. He's talking about our sin. He's talking about the trouble, the fact that we're free from trouble. We're free from this law and we live for the spirit of life. He's referring to the gospel, the gospel that sets us free from sin. 
And verse 31, he says this, What then shall we say to these, in response to these things? I want to ask you today, what are you saying? What are you saying? Because one of the things we do is this sometimes. We get a perception and understand the gospel sometimes a little bit wrong. We understand it in the wrong way. So when our perception's wrong, we don't understand what Jesus has done for us. Then it changes and skews our view on Christ. We don't understand really what freedom is. We heard last week a great message on the path to freedom. Some of us sometimes we're probably thinking, well, I've seven days since that message and I don't feel free. I don't feel free. Listen to me. You don't have to feel anything. You are free if you believe in Jesus. If you believe in the Son of God, you call on His name, you're free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. You see, I want to ask today, what's your perception of what happened 2,000 years ago on the cross? Because sometimes, 2,000 years on, we, we get a little bit skewed in our view of what Jesus did. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and he took the punishment, it says he became sin for us. He didn't just pay for sin. He became sin for you and for me. He died on the cross. His blood was shed so that you could be free. See, I put here that the perception of your now is always determined by the perception of your then. If you can't get your then right and understand what happened 2,000 years ago, then your now perception is going to be all wrong. What's the perception of your then? What happened 2,000 years ago? Some of us need to get back into the Word of God. We need to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. If you're saying, I don't know what to read, I, I, keep, I keep looking at these uh, words for today's and it's taking me all over the place in, in the Bible. Listen to me, if there's one thing you need to read, remind yourself of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Because you know why? The enemy, it's the first thing he'll try to rob. It's the first thing he'll try to twist. Your perception of your now is always determined by your perception of your then. If you can't get the then right and understand what Jesus did for you, you'll never get it right today. What then shall we say? I find it interesting that Paul says, what shall we say? I don't know about you, but sometimes I talk myself into thinking things. Do you do that? Sometimes if you say things enough, you can tell yourself you've done something, you've not really done it. Have you noticed that the power of your voice is enough sometimes to tell you you've done something and you're not even guilty of it? You keep telling yourself something and you believe it. Then you begin to live like that. Listen to me. Today, your voice has so much power to tell yourself what you are. And sometimes we spend enough time telling ourselves who we are and we don't look at the word of God. What then shall we say? In response to these things, in response to the gospel, in response to the word of God, what shall we say? I want to ask today, what are you saying over your life? Because the enemy loves to you to think differently and speak differently. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You see, I really believe this. We sometimes think that that's just referring to how we speak to people. Listen, it's how you speak to yourself. I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but sometimes we've got to start speaking life over ourselves. 
Because the enemy likes us to speak death. Listen, do you realize the sound that comes from your mouth has enough power to create death? It speaks death into people or it can speak life. So you might be able to put someone down or hurt someone with your tongue. But listen to me, you can even put yourself down. You better check what you're saying about yourself. And that doesn't mean just speaking out. Sometimes we think it as well. What are you saying today? What you say today has the power to bring life or death over yourself. What then shall we say, says Paul. I want you to think about that today. Because Paul says we can live by the law of sin and death. Or we can live by the spirit of life. You can have two choices. You can live by the law of sin and death. You can keep condemning yourself, telling, I'm just a sinner. I just keep failing God. I'm just no good. I can't function. In fact, I I really want to serve in the house of God. But if only people knew what I've been doing this week. If only people knew what I did in the last 24 hours. I can't do this. I'm just a bad person. I'm going to just keep trying. I'll try again. You tell yourself, I'm just not good enough. That, that other person at church, they seem to have it all together. You've seen them, haven't you? You look at them, they seem to have everything together. You think they've got no sin in their life. Listen to me, that's not true. It is not true. Every single person in this room is a sinner saved by grace. We all fall short of the glory of God. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. Every one of us falls short. So don't ever believe the lie and tell yourself that you're not good enough. You've got to start telling yourself, I am a child of God. I am saved. I am born again. My life is in his hands. I am alive. I am alive in his word. The same one who lives inside of you is the same one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. How can we be dead? How can we be dead? The enemy wants to tell you, tell yourself you're no good. And we're so good at doing it. Negative words over ourselves. Negative thoughts. Listen, I would tell you today, make this a declaration day today that I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to start speaking positive words. Life words over my life. Because when you do, you'll begin to see change. You see, the sound that you're making from your mouth will bring change in your life. What then shall we say? I know what I'm going to say. There's life. There's life. Yes, I've failed you, God, but I know that you have saved me, that there is no condemnation. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Amen. Nothing. I'm not even started yet. Just a few years ago, I had a parking ticket, I'm sorry to say. I was in Cambridge and we were, I was taking, actually, in fact, I thought it was a righteous, par ticket, righteous parking ticket. Have you ever had one of those where you feel like you're doing something for the Lord, so you feel it's, you're worthy of it? I was taking the national lead of the Assemblies of God out for, for, for dinner this, this evening. And so I felt, you know, anything, I can do anything. I could park on double yellows if I want to. It's for the Lord. No, I'm only joking. I'm not that bad. But I parked, and I remember getting out of the car and making sure that the car was okay and it wasn't on the double yellow lines and I went in had my my meal and then a few weeks later I get a a, a parking ticket through the post and they tell me that that night I was parking on on double yellow lines and I thought this is wrong this is wrong I remember getting out of the car checking it in the dark and making sure that the bumper wasn't over the double yellows I even rode down there the next day on my bike looking to check the distance they said to me they said you need to check the photographs how many, how many of you know that cameras never lie? 
Unfortunately, they had photographs. I went on and I signed into their website and I thought, I was ready to phone them up and then I looked. I sat for a few moments as I looked at these pictures and realized that my bumper was about a foot over. I don't know, I just felt I was in the glory that night. I must have not seen it. And I, and I looked, at, I looked and, I, and I saw and there were two pictures on two angles and I knew that there was no way I was going to get out of this. I had done what they said I'd done. So I thought, there's only one option. I phoned them up and apologized and hope they'll, hopefully they'll let me off with this fine. I phoned them up, they didn't let me off. I tried the best things, I said everything, they didn't, still didn't let me off. Listen to me, the camera never lies. The word of God never lies. You see, you haven't got evidence of a camera picture now to look on a website. But what you do have is the Word of God. When you read the Word of God, it tells you it does not lie. It tells you what happened on the cross. It tells you the truth of the Word, what Jesus did for you. And it never lies. It is the truth. And it is the law that saves you. It is the spirit of life that will save you. There is no charge against you. You don't have special cameras but we have the word of God. Amen. Number one today, I want to just bring a few things of what I believe we have in Christ. When we look and we don't have a skewed perception of what Jesus has done for us. Number one is this. No matter what, we have a defense. We have a defense in Christ, no matter what you've done, whatever sin you've committed, whatever wrong thing you've done, however bad it seems, you've got a defense. You see, I was out on the streets the other week and I met some young guys. It's the first conversation. I took a team out with me. The people who were with me had never been on the streets before. And this, this, this young kids, I was chatting to them. And towards the end of the conversation, they got a little high rate with me. And I thought I was going to get hit. But I just kept on going, and you know, anything for the Lord. And I kept going and speaking. By the way, don't let this put you off. In three years, I've never had anything like this. So this is a one-off. And, but I thought, you know, if, if they're going to hit me, then I'll take a bruising for Jesus. One for the Lord. And I stood there, and I just I took what they were saying. And uh, one of the things that really, really got this young man really angry was when I'd, he said to me, he says, that if a murderer commits, you know, they murder someone, he said, do you believe that they can be forgiven? I thought, as soon as I say yes, he's going to go crazy. I said, yes. I said, yes. He started to get so angry. I thought he was going to hit me. Thankfully, I was praying underneath my breath. I was speaking life, positive words of myself. I said, God, please rescue me from this one. But I've got to say the truth. The truth is this, that no matter what anyone does... No matter what you can think the worst thing in someone's life, God has the ability to forgive. I've said to many people on the streets before, they said, well, if God is a God of love, why can't he remove evil? If he removes evil, then he's got to remove you first. If you, if you want him to remove evil, then he's going to have to remove you first. There'll be no one left here. So many of us, we look at others and we've got a plank in our own eye. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus died on the cross once and for all, every single one of us. But today, no matter what you've done, you have a defense. You see, I want to just you to picture this, that in your life, it's like a courtroom. You know that? Satan you've got. He's the one who is the juror. He is speaking against you. The Bible says he's an adversary. He's one who is condemning us. He's putting us down. He's one who is accusing us day and night before God. 
constantly we have an accuser who's reminding Jesus, reminding him of all the things we're doing wrong. It doesn't sound good, does it? But let me tell you today, we have a defense. See, God's a righteous judge. If he's a righteous judge, then he can't let sin be undealt with. But he sent Jesus. His son came to this earth to die for you and for me so that he could be our defense. He could be our defense. Jesus is our divine defense this morning. He's our divine defense. I don't know if you've watched these courtroom dramas before and sometimes you see them. And I'm just waiting for the person and and I feel so sorry for the person who's not got enough money to pay a lawyer. But then sometimes you get the ones and they, they say, I've got the best lawyer in town. And some of them sometimes, even with the best lawyer in town, sometimes don't win the case. Everything that they bring, they still don't win the case. Listen to me. Jesus, you might think I can't afford anyone to defend the things that I've done. But Jesus paid the price on the cross. He is the most expensive lawyer you will ever have because his life was what it cost for him to represent you. He's the best defense lawyer you're ever going to get. And the cost that was paid was his life. Don't ever think that you've not got enough to stand in defense of you. Because listen to me today. Although Satan accuses us day and night, we have a defense. We have a mediator. We have one who is sitting there. He's bowing before the throne, interceding for you and for me constantly. The word of God tells us this. Do you know that? Do you know that he's interceding for you every day? Every single day. You see, Romans 8.33 says this. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. We have a defense. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 7.24-25 says this, Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I don't know if you've read that. Did you read that? He always lives, not to live in heaven in a mansion waiting for us to arrive. He always lives to intercede for them. Did you know that when you give your life to Jesus, He is constantly, every single day, He lives to intercede for His children. He's not waiting in some special place made with gold, just waiting and twiddling his thumbs. He's interceding for his saints. He's interceding for the ones that the accuser is coming day and night for. So every time you sin, he's there praying and saying, I pray for my children. I pray for them. That they will know life. That they will live by the spirit of life and not death. What are you saying over your life?
Read the word. and Remind yourself today. Number two, no matter what, we have a friend. You see, sometimes people think when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they do is hide. They feel like they've lost a friend. When sin or anything gets in the way in trouble, we sometimes feel that we've lost Jesus as a friend. We feel like we've lost him as our companion. And I want to remind you today that Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us. For you right now, whatever you're going through, he is your friend. He does not change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's our friend. Romans 8.35 says this, Who, person, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? First Paul says this, that who shall separate us? A person. Galatians 5, 7 says this, you were running a good race, who cut in on you? Do you know that people can affect your walk if you're not careful? People can affect your walk. Listen to me, I've had so many people in my life try to affect my walk, but I stay true to what the Word of God says. What anyone else says, they can give their opinions and their views, but listen, I sometimes choose not to listen. Because the one I listen to is the one who saved me. Some people try to cut in. They try to spoil and ruin and they don't realize it sometimes. No matter what has hurt you or who has hurt you, you have a friend in Jesus Christ. He is closer than a brother, says the word of God. He is closer than a brother. God remains faithful. He remains faithful. You see, people, I don't know about you, but there's some people in my life have let me down. Big time. They've let me down. I've trusted them. I thought I could trust them. These people, I'm not going to name any names. We all have them though, don't we? In fact, do you know the truth is this? I've let people down. I've let people down. There'll be someone in the world today saying, that Phil, you can't trust him. I asked him to do this thing one time. He never showed up. Do you know what? God remains faithful all the time. All the time. He's one you can trust in. Men will always let you down. You saw that through the roof when they lowered the, the man down. Men will always let you down. But Jesus will lift you up. Amen. Proverbs 18:24 says this one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend who sticks close to a brother. Listen to me today. You don't just have a defense lawyer, someone who you meet every now and again, who's just defending you, and it's a formal occasion. You have a friend in Jesus. I know it sounds very simple, but it's what you sometimes need to remind yourself. It's sometimes what you need to tell yourself. I have a friend in him because he loves me. I put here that people don't have the power to change God's love, but they do have the power to change our perception of God's love. Sometimes people can change your perception of who God is. They ruin your perception. But they can't change God's love for you. They can't change. If people affect your your perception of God, then you're going to change. But listen, it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Listen to me. Don't let others, what they're saying to you, change what you're saying. Remember verse 31, what then shall we say? Sometimes what people say to you has the power to change what you say in your life. 
What people are saying into your life has the power to start to change what you're saying. I want to encourage you today. Start to look at what you're saying. What are people saying to you that is making you change what you say? Because the enemy uses these negative words that come. It's like slow poison. And it brings bitterness in our hearts. It kills you. The enemy loves it. Because these are subtle things that you don't spot. That negative words come, it brews bitterness, and then we just feel bad inside. It doesn't change the word of God. It doesn't change what God says, but we have a different perception of God. I don't know about you, but social media these days, I mean, some of the things that people put sometimes on them, them things, it's so negative. People are becoming their own newspapers now. People are becoming what they want to say and you just post that thing out and you say it and it's gone. It gets listed up there and everyone gets to see it. And it's sometimes a very evil thing, what people do. Some of the things I've recently seen over the last few years, do you know what I chose to do? I thought, what do I do about when people put these things and I don't want to really read them? I don't know about you, but some of the things that some people post, I just block them. By the way, don't get worried if you block them. Some people say, well, should I defriend them? Listen, you do whatever you need to do, but the Bible says you need to mark out those who cause division. You need to look at the ones who are causing division and hurting you. Their words are hurting you. So do you know what I do? I mark them out and I block them. Because I haven't got time for negative words in my life. I've not got time for the things that are coming negative. I want to see the positives. I want to see the good things that God has got for me. Sometimes we haven't got enough, enough time to read the Bible, let alone Facebook. It's true. Ouch. We haven't got enough time sometimes to read the Bible because we're reading Facebook posts. We're reading Twitter posts. We're all guilty of it. I mean, how many times the phone pings in the day? Another thing, Instagram now. Oh my word, I just feel like throwing the phone in the bin. We get addicted to these things. We start looking at them and then what people say and it hurts us and then we start to think, I'm going to respond. The amount of things I've just thought, shall I respond to this? Oh my word, just throw the thing in the bin and read the word of God. Before you throw it in the bin, if you want to see me first, I'll give it to me. We'll have a fun amnesty at the end. We'll have a little box. We'll get a few quid for them, Joe. But listen to me. Some of us, sometimes, we're a bit worried about blocking people. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong. You can forgive someone. I've forgiven people, but I just don't listen to them anymore. There's nothing wrong. Sometimes you've got to mark people out and say, these people are causing problems for me. They're saying things. If you're not going to speak positive over my life, don't expect me to be a friend. It doesn't mean I don't love you. I'll see you in heaven. There'll be no Facebook there. There'll be no social media there. You'll have to come around to my mansion without social media. But it's true. Some people are worried, shall I do this, shall I do that? Is it wrong to do this? Listen, if this person's causing you a problem, just listen to Jesus. You don't need to follow someone if they're causing negative views and thoughts. Romans 16, 7, as I said earlier, says this in the King James Version. Now I beseech you, brethren... Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned. And avoid them. Avoid them. Amen. 
Ephesians 4, 31, 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's good to get rid of this stuff out of our hearts. Be free, but we do have a friend. People sometimes get in the way, but then Paul says, trouble and persecution can also try to separate us. How many of you today are saying, do you know what, I've got trouble in my life, I've got debts mounting up. I've got broken marriages. I've got things in relationships are going wrong. Things are not good at the moment. All this trouble is trying to separate you from the love of Christ. The truth is this, that the message of the gospel is this, that you are loved by God, whatever. Whatever trouble you're going through, God is your friend and he loves you. He has the power to turn situations around. You've just got to come to him. No matter what trouble you're facing. He knows. Psalm 61 verse 2, the psalmist writes this. I love this. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Do you know every one of us has got a friend who's higher than us? He never fails. He never lets you down. Amen. Finally, no matter what, we have the victory. Amen. No matter what, we have the victory. We have defense. We have a friend in God. But we also have the victory. Romans 8, 37 to 39 says this. In all these things, Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus our Lord. Some of us need to understand the gospel that we are victorious. We're victorious. Have you met those Christians that sometimes seem to think that they have to have prayer meetings to battle Satan? All the time. All the time. I mean, I've met some people, they've got more books about the devil than Jesus. Oh, you need to read this book. These things are going to come and attack you. These things are going to come. Listen to me. I am victorious. I don't know about you. Stop reading this trash. Read the word of God. He says we're victorious. Many years ago I was working and we had a problem in our workplace. It was a trauma that had happened in the, in the workplace, in the office. And they got a counselor in to talk to us all. And they brought this counselor in and we sat in a room. Each individual in the company would sit in this room with a counselor, a professional counselor. They paid them to come in because we'd all experienced this kind of trauma. So I sat with this counselor and uh, she, she spoke a few things to me. And she seemed to say a couple of things to me that seemed as though she knew a few things about me. I thought, this is a bit strange. This is a, how does she know these things? And anyway, after I spoke to my boss, I said, it's an interesting conversation I had. And they said, oh, yeah, we know that, that person who runs this business. She's a white witch. She, she, she's, she's, she's a bit of a dodgy character, but she, yeah, she's a white witch. I thought, well, that's a bit strange. I told some Christians just a few weeks. This is years ago. I told some Christians just a few weeks later. And then they said this to me. You've got to do this every single day now. You've got to get up. And you've got to pray to God. And you've got to cover yourself with the blood every single day now. And I got a little bit worried. Because I was getting up and sometimes I didn't have time to do this. So sometimes I didn't have time to cover myself with the blood. 
Sometimes I just had to get out of the house because I had somewhere to get to. And the problem were is then I didn't feel victorious because the moment I missed this opportunity to cover myself in the blood, then I went to work and I thought, no longer am I victorious. I don't know if you've had that sometimes. Listen to me, I've got no dis- disrespect for what Jesus did on the cross. But listen, he does not call you to go through a ceremony every day. What he did on the cross for you, if you believe it, you are free. It's what you're telling yourself. What shall we say in response to these things? What are you telling yourself? Come on, church. There's no demon that can separate you from the love of Christ. Come on, I meet so many people trying to get victorious over demons. They can't even get victorious over washing the pots. They try to get victorious over things and doing this and doing that. Listen, I've seen what the enemy can do. I know the power of the enemy. I've seen it firsthand. You don't have to tell me that. I've seen it, but I know that I'm victorious in him. See, I stand firm on his word. Otherwise, I spend half my life worrying about what the devil's doing. Do you know what? The truth is the devil needs to worry about what the church is going to do. If I was the devil, I'd be more worried about what the church is going to do. But he's there laughing, thinking they're more worried about me. They're more worried spending time trying to do this, casting this down, casting that down, trying to deal with this demon of that, demon of this. How many people I meet who say, oh, they're probably a demon of this. Listen to me. If you've seen the demonic in real action, you'll really know. Some people, they they make a demon out of everything. You know. I'm telling you, you know. Stop it. Stop it. It's not good. Because the word of God tells us we are victorious. Do you know why? It says this, Colossians 2.15. Talking about Christ's victory. It says this, having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made, this is Jesus, a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them on the cross. He made a public spectacle of them. In other words, he dragged them down the streets. He showed these are defeated. The works of the enemy are defeated. Look, Satan is defeated. If you're going to talk to him, just look down. He's not up there. He's down there. He is defeated. He's defeated. So many times we're trying to battle him and Christ says, I've made a public spectacle of them. The enemy is defeated. Back in 2003, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but Saddam Hussein, when he was a tyrant causing problems in Iraq, in 2003 we saw broadcast live on TV the monument of Saddam Hussein topple as an M88 tank pulled the thing down. Everyone watched it. Across the world, as an M88 tank put a chain around the base of it, pulled it down and the whole thing fell. Crowds watched as Saddam Hussein, a symbolic act was made to say this is the end of his reign. This is a symbolic thing we're letting you see now. Listen, he was made that day a public spectacle. How many of you know that Saddam Hussein from 2003 to 2006 was still alive? See, the enemy is still roaming the earth. It says he's the prince of the power of the air. He's still roaming. He's still causing havoc. Yes, I understand. But how many of you know that 
When Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he didn't use an M8 tank. He used his hands upon the cross. His feet, his blood was shed. The power of the cross disarmed Satan. And that day, his monument was fallen. He might be still alive, but you know the future. You read the book. Read Revelation. You'll find out what's going to happen to Satan. He's just hanging around waiting for it. There's a time coming when he will be executed. He will be ruined. But in that between time, we are victorious. Colossians 1.13, for he, God, has rescued, as it says, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Amen. I want to ask you today, as we come to a close, no matter what, no matter what, nothing, nothing can separate you. Nothing can get in the way of him who gave his life for you. Nothing. You're probably saying that now there's still something. I believe that I might, there might be a demon of this. Or I might have a problem here and God's just not big enough. Listen, God can do the impossible. Only believe. Put your trust in him. Put your trust in him. I don't really believe that, the, that God wants us to be running around worried about everything. He wants us to be bold, doesn't he? Confident. We didn't see the apostles running around saying, have you seen this book on what the devil might do? They went around and crushed the devil. They went around and acted. They put into action the word of God. Fear no longer gripped Peter. No longer did he worry anymore about the things he'd done and denied God. He didn't worry anymore about the things that could have condemned him. He stood and he went for it. On the day of Pentecost, he preached, even though he denied God before. I don't know about you, but whatever it is that you're thinking right now, no matter what, what is the what? What's your what? We've all got a what. No matter what, he has done it for you and for me so we can be free. I mean, let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.